Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have Megan Hill. Megan, welcome to the welcome back, I should say, to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Yeah, it's always a joy to, to have you on and to chat with a friend. Uh, can you just catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and what ministry products you're working on? Sure. So I live with my husband and four children in Massachusetts, and we are part of a PCA church here in Western Massachusetts. Um, We, like the rest of the world, have ground to a halt currently because of COVID-19, but the Lord is sustaining us in this time, and um, ministry, as you know, and family life, as you know, look a little bit different um, these days, but um, we're uh, persevering. Um, I work as an editor for the Gospel Coalition, and so I've been work part-time from home doing that, and then I also have my own writing projects that I'm working on. I'm currently writing a uh, devotional for pastors and elders' lives um, that PNR is going to publish sometime in the future, so that's my current project, Um, but I've just published a book about the local church, which we're going to talk about today, and I'm super excited about that. Wonderful, wonderful. I look forward to the devotional, too. What what, what, uh, Can you say, is that part of the 31-day devotional series? No, that's a separate, just a separate project. It's sort of 50 meditations for pastors and elders' wives, and I'm I'm a pastor's daughter um, and a pastor's wife, and so I've had a long history in ministry families, and I know some of the challenges and the joys that come with that life, and so I just want to encourage my fellow wives in the trenches. That's a that's a very needed, very needed book. Very, very important. Thank you for your work on that. Um, can you just tell us about this new book, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love a Local Church, why you wrote it, and how you hope it'll be received? Sure. So... I, um, as I just said, you know, I'm a, a pastor's daughter uh, and a pastor's wife, and so I've spent my whole life in the church, and, and yet um, it's been a process, as I think it is with most of us, learning to really love the people that God has put in the local church with us, and learning to appreciate them in the way that God sees them. And I see that not only in my own life, but I certainly see it in sort of wider evangelicalism, too, that sometimes the church is not well-loved and is uh, misunderstood understood and the church can be a hard place to be, uh, but I firmly believe that the church is a good place to be. And so I wrote this in the hope that we could all sort of grow in our appreciation for the church um, that, that God created uh, for our good and for his glory and learn to love her just a little bit better. Yeah, I, I enjoyed reading this book. I think that it, as we'll talk about, I think there is no greater subject, I mean, other than talking about what Christ has done for us. But but even there, you can go to the church and, and um, so, so why does it matter? that we love the local church. I mean, the church is the people that God loves. You know, it's his it's His beloved people. And so if we're going to be people who love our God, then we're going to love the things that he loves. You know, I, I watch a lot of work, um, not because I care at all about work, um, but because the people in my family love sports. And so mm. I want to understand these things, the rules of these games that they watch. And I want to root for the teams that they root for because I love them. And this is what they love. And I think something similar happens to us or should 
should happen to us with the church, right? We love our God and we're just consumed with love for him. Yeah. And so we, we want to love the things that he loves. And, you know, what what does he love beyond outside of himself? Well, he loves his church, his people that he's gathered together to worship his name. And so if we love him, we're going to love his church. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really good. I, re- I remember in seminary, um, you know, in seminary, you have a whole stack, large stacks of books. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're an author, right? So you have large stacks of books that you're reading and working through and that's kind of like seminary and I took those to uh would take those to a uh coffee shop and so I would get all sorts of well why are all you why do you have all these theology books well I'm I'm in I'm in seminary why are you in seminary I I want to go in ministry and those types of things and and um and then we got to talk about Christ we got to talk about the church and and most often they would say I'm there because I'm wanting to have a bible study and this a lot of the time then it would go to this is my church and I'm like your church is where <laughs> my church is over there in the corner and I'm like wow that that was eye-opening to me in seminary that people actually think that a coffee shop could be a church yeah I think there are a lot of misconceptions of what the church is and um, is it a building you know is it the sort of institutional structure is it every group of people that call themselves the church is it you know what is the church exactly and I think that's where we have to go back to what does the bible say about the church and how does Christ define the church yeah exactly exactly and and yeah and, and that would be just one thing that I, I would i would just say to them it's like hey how do you how do you you're having bible study well since you're having a bible study why don't you go to the beginning of every epistle and tell me who what's the purpose of this who are the people being addressed to these are people that are gathered together you know under qualified biblical eldership and they're they're gathering together in in community in small groups and how well in that time house churches you know so it matters it matters what we think about the church it matters that uh, that we love what what god loves um i'm just reminded always in ephesians 5 paul says that you know christ christ bled and died for the church and that's just a beautiful thing that that's why if we say we love god we should love the local church yeah the great the great goal of christ's redeeming work was to perfect the church and um so if, if that is if that's what the cross was about then that should be something that we should delight in too amen how do how do we love one another as the people of God in the local church? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with showing up, right? Being there. Um, when the doors are open, as far as it depends on you, that you're there. And, and that you're there with a sense of expectation. You know, the, the New Testament uses the term sort of brothers and sisters a lot um, for the local church. And so the church is our family. And they're people that we didn't choose for ourselves, but they're people that God chose for us, just like a sort of biological family or a nuclear family would be. So we come with a sense of expectation. Who are these people that you've given? me, Lord, who are these people you've chosen for me? And then I think it, it comes down to using our gifts and serving and looking for where there are needs and looking for where there are opportunities to do all those one another passages that we see throughout the New Testament of encouraging and forgiving and serving and loving and caring for one another. Yeah, that's that's really good. One of the one of the best ways to do that, I think, is to have a well we can't do that right now, but I mean just in general, when, when we're not in COVID nineteen, is you know, just just be that person at the front door. You know, you don't have to have a title for 
for that. You could just say, hey, I want to tell your pastor or whoever is in charge of the welcoming ministry, hey, I want to stand at the door and greet people. Um, do that not just at the, the front door, do that in the sanctuary. Um, greet greet one another and, and let people know that you're you're excited that they're there and that you that you and you mean it because <laughs> people can tell if you're fake about that. So if you're going to do that, really mean it and really put your heart into it and you can make a difference. That's that's a neglected ministry in in the local church. Yeah, I think it was it was Tim Challies maybe who he had a, an article I read that I thought was so great. He said something like um, two things about loving the church, be the first person there and be the last person to leave. You know, so simple, right? Just show up a few minutes early and leave a few minutes late. But but you'll get to know people that way and you'll find out what their needs are and you'll learn how you can love them. And then it paves the way for you to love them because people know, oh, she's committed. She, she wants to be here with me. She loves me. Yeah, that that's really good. That's really good. What, what advice do you have for Christians walking alongside those who have been hurt by the local church to help them love the local church? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I do think probably everyone in the pew of your church can give you multiple examples of times when they've been misunderstood or ignored or gossiped about or slandered or spoken ill of or their needs haven't been met or, you know, the list of ways that we can be hurt by the local church can kind of go on and on. And I think sometimes we can feel like we're the only one, but I think it's important to acknowledge that probably everybody in the church has felt that way at one time or another. I start this book actually in the introduction talking about the Apostle Paul, because I think he's a great example of this, and he's maybe not somebody we think of immediately, right? The great writer of the majority of the New Testament, and, you know, Paul, who was just this great missionary and sort of lion of the faith. And yet, if you think a little bit about sort of his church story, he was often hurt by the church. You know, that there were outside of the church, of course, there were false teachers that kind of crept into the church and slandered him and accused him of doing what he did for money and saying that he was preaching the wrong thing. And then even inside the church, he was often um, uh, mistreated by people, ignored by them. You know, in, in the end of Second Timothy, he talks about how he had that court appointment at his last defense and nobody came to stand with him. And so here he was in prison, all alone, going to court. And, and where were the Christians coming to help him and stand with him and encourage him? There was nobody, you know. And so Paul was often hurt by the church and had bad experiences in the church. And yet, when we look at these epistles that he wrote to the church in the New Testament, he's just full of love and optimism for the church. And, you know, he calls the Corinthians saints. Well, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were a mess, you know. I mean, they had sexual sin and idolatry and fighting. And I mean, they had all kinds of problems in that church. And yet he calls them the holy ones, the saints. And so he is somebody who allowed what God says about the church, the truth about the church, that this is God's beloved people that he is making holy to sort of transform his own experience of the church. And so that even when he had been repeatedly hurt and ignored and mistreated and slandered, he could still cling to that truth and trust the Lord that, yes, these are your people. And so I am going to love them. And I think that can help us then, that when when we're hurt, when our experience in the local church is not ideal, to remember the truth that Christ died for the church and that he is making 
making her holy and that he does love her and to allow that to sort of soak into our souls um, so that we also in his strength can love the church as well. Megan, uh, I could not say uh, amen any any louder. I mean, honestly, that, that's really, really good. I haven't really thought of it that way in terms of Paul, but when you were talking about it, I'm like, yep, 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 that, that makes that makes good sense to me. You know, I, I often get this question, people are, people have been hurt by the church and it's like, you know, those people, they're not perfect. They're, they're sinners. They, they're, they're saved by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. And, you know, I'm, I'm so, I've been hurt by the church. And so I, I know that what that feels like, you know, I know what it feels like to be hurt by members and I know what it what feels like to be hurt by pastors. And, um, it, it's, it hurts, but, but that's why we have to walk alongside of one another. Right. And do Galatians six, one and bear each other's burdens and, and do life. And, and sometimes when that happens, what I found is, is it's just listening to that person, just, just really listening and maybe asking questions, being really slow to, to, you know, preach at them and try to, try to, you know, correct things, just a loving arm around them. It, it really goes a long way. Um, it really does to, to reassure them that you actually care about them as a person, not just somebody to be part of the church, not just somebody to, you know, add to a role or something like that, or to a ministry, but that, that person is, is important. They're made in the image of God and they're, they're loved by the savior. And, and if we walk alongside them, put, put our arm around them and, and show them the love of Christ, you know, we can bring, God can use us. Uh, another way that he can use us is to wrap our arms around them and, and, um, and to, and to really care. And I, I can say that God, lots of pastors have, have done that with me. And that's why I'm still doing what I do. So I, I'm, I'm not just putting that out there theoretically. I'm, I'm saying that this has also been done to me. I've also done it and, and it works. So Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, in First Corinthians 12, Paul talked about the, the church as a body, right? And this image of we have these different parts that work together to, to form the body. And, you know, he says, God sets the members in the body, each one as he chooses. And that's something we can encourage one another with, that you are here because God has set you here here very carefully he intended for you to be here and he sent me here exactly as he has chosen for his glory and so the unique individuals that make up our church we're, we're there exactly where God has put us and carefully where he has arranged us and we can trust them that these people are here for my good and that I'm here for their good and that we need one another even as we are the body together amen what does willing to be shepherded by qualified male elders say of our view of Jesus and the local church yes it's Throughout this scripture, you know, Old Testament and New Testament, we have this sort of theme of shepherds and sheep, you know, and Moses was a shepherd and David was a shepherd. And, you know, the prophets quite often in the Old Testament talked about God's people as sheep and God as their shepherd. And so we have this idea that the the people of God are like sheep and they sheep don't do very well on their own. They need to be part of a flock and they need someone to watch out for them and to keep them from danger and to bring them to where there's food and water and um, to bring them to safety at night and watch over them. And um, as the people of God, we are like sheep. And Jesus, of course, when we get to the New Testament, Jesus is revealed as the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he says. You know, he, he is the, the supreme shepherd over his people and he watches out for our souls and he brings us safely home and he nourishes us 
even with his own body, giving himself for us and caring for us. But Jesus is also appointed under shepherds, um, human shepherds, to watch out for us and care for us in this time when we're physically apart from Jesus, the good shepherd, and he is caring for us with these under shepherds. And so in our churches, those are our pastors and elders and church leaders that God has given to us. And so as we submit to them, as we receive their care for our souls, we're receiving the care of Jesus, really. In the early, in Ephesians, um, it talks about what did what did the ascended Christ do well, after he died and was resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father? It says he gave good gifts to the church. And what were those good gifts that he gave? Well, he gave pastors and elders. And so the, the shepherds that he's given to our soul are Jesus' good gifts for us. And so in the way that we receive their shepherding and allow them to look out for our souls and nourish us with the word, we're receiving the ministry of Jesus to our souls. It doesn't always feel that way, right? Especially if your elders have to say, watch out, you're falling into sin. You know, it, it doesn't always feel super pleasant, but we can trust that um, Jesus is caring for us and he's not letting us fall off that cliff into sin, but he's sending a shepherd to come and pull us back up with the crook. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember uh, one of my previous pastors said, uh, you know, you don't have a knowledge problem, you have an application problem. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, you know the right answers, but guess what, buddy? You don't know how those answers relate to your life. And, and not only that, but you have a, a relational maturity problem. Ouch. Um, but but then he didn't just leave me there, right? He walked alongside of me. He he, prefer, he was an illustration of, of those those things, and it helped me so much to, to be where I'm at today. And I, I, I still have lots of room to grow in that area. I'll be the first one to admit it. But, uh, uh, you know, he helped me so much to address so many things with self-control and graciousness, and, and we need those kind of things, you know? People don't, uh, people shouldn't enjoy saying the hard things um if, if you do that, that 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 says something too i think um you know but we we say those things because we really love jesus and we really love people and so um, we shouldn't enjoy having to say those things but we but we do need to say those things as well yeah and i mean it's a little like children right you know god doesn't bring babies into the world and then hand them a bible and say okay go on grow up in christian maturity you know no he gives them parents too right he gives them real people in their lives who can help them understand the Bible and what it means to grow up in Christian maturity. And, you know, so he does the same for his church. He doesn't just hand us the Bible and say, okay, go on, grow up in Christ-likeness. He also gives us very real people, elders in our lives, to help us, as you said, see how to apply these things in the, the real stuff of our 21st century Western Massachusetts climate or wherever it is that God has put you. Yeah, that, that's really well said. What are some of the best ways to, uh, to first get involved using our gifts in a local church? Um, you know, Elizabeth Elliot famously said, do the next thing. And I kind of think that's how it is in the church too. Sometimes we can get super hung up with what are my gifts and what are the best ways to serve? And, you know, I, I think there's some validity to that. Um, but I think also you just kind of look and go, oh, look, there's crumbs on the table after the fellowship lunch. How about I just sweep those up? You know, oh, look, nobody showed up to do nursery. Hey, I could do that. Oh, look, as you said earlier, Dave, there's nobody at the door telling people where they need to go to find the sanctuary. How about I just stand here and help people find what they need to find? You know, and I, so I think it's just sort of looking for what needs to be done and doing that. And I think in that work, then we discover what our gifts are. We find where the Lord is blessing us and giving us opportunities. And then we kind of grow into various ministries, maybe even ministries we wouldn't have expected. 
Yeah, that, that's so good. I mean, if you're going to be intentional and you're going to be purposeful, I mean, right right there you have two ideas that if more Christians thought about just those, the meaning of those two things and how they relate to the Christian life, uh, home life would be a lot different, I think, and church, our church life would be really a lot different. We would, we would be, we would take, what that would mean is that you take the posture of a servant like Jesus did in washing the, the feet of the disciples and, and not complain about it. You just, you just did it. So for guys that means do the dishes without complaining uh or even if we have a chore chart and and sometimes i'll just take the chore because just because just to, to help out a little extra or or whatever that is and mm-hmm. and then you don't do it for the pat on the back say oh you know good job or whatever you just tell the person i i did this for you because i, I love you and i care for you you know so yeah your feet were dirty so i washed them you know that's great that's the way of praying how, how important is it that local churches join together in the mission of making disciples who make disciples yeah i think that's good because so my book i'm talking about the local church and i spend the vast majority of the chapters just sort of talking about our individual congregations and that where most of us live our church life as it were we don't live it in the connections between our churches we live it in those people that we worship with every week Um, but churches are not an island Um, they're not completely isolated and uh, no matter what your church polity um, you're going to see some need of other congregations coming alongside one another and helping one another in a variety of different ways. And so I think it is important. And I think we do see that in the New Testament. You know, um, Paul commended um, the Christians who gave to the churches in Jerusalem when they were having a hard time. You know, we had the the churches in Macedonia were very poor, but they gave to the churches in Jerusalem who were also suffering. You know, so we have this connection between churches that happens where churches care for one another. And I think you're right in things like um, foreign missions it's important that churches are coming together because most of our churches couldn't really undertake what would be necessary to take the gospel throughout the world um, unless we join together in that endeavor and I think that can we can see really sweet fruit when our churches pray for one another um, when our churches give to the same um, gospel causes together when our churches even help one another out by either you know sending some members over to help a struggling church or allowing our elders to give counsel to the elders of another church or whatever practically that might look like. I think it's important that we remember our churches are not isolated, but we do have relationships with other churches that are working for the same gospel and and the same Christ. And ultimately, right, we'll be joined with them in eternity and we're going to be one big glorious church together. And won't that be wonderful? Yeah, that's that's really good. I can't, I'm trying to think of the ministry that we have at at the church here that my wife and I go to. Um, But, but basically I can't, can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but 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 right now, you know, with COVID nineteen and everything, we we uh, they they have a ministry where they they take clothes and um, and uh, food and and other things, and and it's not just our church; it's other churches that have joined together, and that's just a good example of a church doing you know good work together. Uh, another thing that we did is we we had this is kind of a little political, but not you know when when the election came come came up recently, they joined a bunch of churches, pastors joined together. And they um, they they found out who is pro life, genuinely pro life, and and then they passed that out to the to the church, not to tell people how to vote or anything, but saying, hey, you know, this is um, a pro. This person is actually pro life, you know. So um, that you know, again, no coercion or anything from the pulpit, just saying, putting out information about you know to to help people and the, the churches in the area join together in that. So just another way that they could work together. So. Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. Where, where can people go to, to find out more about your work online, either on social media or otherwise? I am on Twitter. I do generally tweet out um, when I've written an article. I also, I'm an editor for the Gospel Coalition, but um, they, I have an author page there where they have um, work that I've done and my books are all on um, Amazon or whatever bookseller you prefer to use as well. Wonderful. Well, just as we wrap up this conversation, Megan, can you give us a few takeaways? Love the church. Uh, seek to grow in love for the church. Um, seek to see the church the way that Christ sees the church. And even as you're just reading your Bible and going through the Old Testament, the New Testament, just keep your eyes open for the way that God describes the gathered people and how he always describes them as lovely and precious to him and worth even the sacrifice of his own son. And just allow that to soak into your soul so that when you go to church and people seem awfully ordinary and unremarkable and sometimes a little bit awkward, you can remember that these people People are so precious that Christ came to die for them and you can allow that then transform your experience of being with them. Megan, that's a wonderful answer. And I, I, I really have enjoyed the time that you've given to me today to talk about your book. I, I think that it's very helpful. The book is called The Place to Belong, Learning to Love a Local Church. I, I encourage our listeners to pick it up and and to follow Megan on social media. She is a very thoughtful writer and, and also uh, send her pitches at uh, TGC. She'd love that. That's great. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.